Sup freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Good rip. We didn't do a live rip this week because I want to make sure my audio and video equipment is set up perfectly for you freaks. There were some complaints about the audio quality, so we decided we're going to axe the, the live shows until my setup is, is more conducive for that. We don't want to degrade the quality of this production just to get video out there. We want to make sure we do it correctly, so... Sorry if you guys are liking the live streams and, and missed out this week, but we want to make sure the quality is at a level that makes it good for the people who only listen via podcast apps as well. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App's helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard. We're not buying fractions of Bitcoin. You're buying whole sats. For you freaks who are new to this podcast and to Bitcoin in general, one Bitcoin can be broken into 100 million units known as Satoshis, or SATs for short. So you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy SATs, and you can do that via the Cash App. You can set up uh, automatic buys. You can DCA in the SATs. That's dollar cost average, where you buy a certain amount of SATs on a consistent basis. In the Cash App, you can do that daily, weekly, or biweekly. On top of that, they had their boost program, which is allowing you to get SATs back uh, if they have the Bitcoin boost enabled, I believe that's three to five percent right now in some places. Uh, on top of that, bank bank app, Cash App can be your bank account. They have account numbers and routing numbers, so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff uh, that they're working on, including the boost program outside of the Bitcoin rewards. You can go save money at uh, merchants if you don't want to stack Sats when you're spending. Uh, so if you haven't downloaded the Cash App, make sure you go use the code StackingSats, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <coughs> this episode was brought to you as well by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Uh, Unchained Capital is building one of my favorite businesses in the space. They are bringing financial services to Bitcoiners with security in mind. And the best way they uh, show that they have security in mind is via their Vault product, which allows you to engage in a multi-sig quorum with Unchained, in which you hold two keys. Unchained holds one. You can always move your uh, Bitcoin out of the Unchained Vault by yourself using your two keys. But if you ever need Unchained there to help you along the way, uh, they have their key as well, and, and they're offering a white glove concierge service to onboard you uh, onto the Vault product specifically. They're going to have multiple uh, voice calls with you to get you comfortable with multi-sig in general, how it works, why you should be thinking about it, especially if you're uh, you're holding a good amount of Bitcoin and it represents a significant amount of your wealth currently. Uh, multi-sig in collaborative custody model is a very very secure way to store your Bitcoin. Unchained is helping you out there. This concierge service, again, we're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig, get you comfortable with uh, their Vault product, specifically how it works, how you how you uh, get your keys into it and, and sign your keys. Uh, they're going to get you hardware wallets so, and walk you through the process of setting those hardware wallets up, backing them up, and, and ways in which to make that backup secure. Uh, and then at the end, you're going to set up your Vault. You're going to have two keys, Unchained is going to have one, and they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin into your vault for you. Uh, that's a $1,500 package, but they're going to offer that to you freaks for 
uh, $50 off, $1,450. And again, you get the video conference calls, you get the hardware wallets, and you get $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in your vault at the end of the day. So go to www.unchained-capital to check out everything they're doing. We're going to link to the concierge service specifically in the show notes. So if you're interested in that, make sure you peep the show notes and go check out that link specifically. Go check out their blogs too. I mean, they're writing some of the best content in the space. It's hands down. Parker Lewis is my favorite writer in the space. And my favorite series is gradually then suddenly descend to, to family and friends that are looking to learn about Bitcoin. Um, so go check that out as well. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Adams. We got a shoe deal. I'm wearing my Adams. My feet are form-fitting to the sole, the cushion, whatever it's called. I just know that this is a shoe for the individual with long time, time preference in mind. If you have a low time preference, excuse me, uh, these this is the shoe for you. It's got uh, quarter sizes, so it wants to fit... Uh, to your foot as snugly as possible. You don't have to get a 10, a 10 and a half, or an 11. You can get a 10, 10 and a quarter, 10 and a half, 10 and three quarters, 11, and beyond and below that. You can get down to quarter sizes, so they want it to be as snug as possible on your foot. Then uh, the low time preference uh, features only get better from there. They have microbial copper going through the shoe uh, to, to reduce smell if you if you have smelly feet, potentially. Uh, so this is, this is a great shoe for you. Uh, they have shoelaces that are elastic, so you tie your shoes once, and they're not too tight that you can't get back into it, so uh, you, you don't waste time tying your shoes. It's incredible. Uh, you can wash the shoes. You, you wash them in a washer, and then you air dry them, and they're as good as new. Um, so from a bang for your buck, best shoe for the low time preference individual, uh, Adams is the way to go. It's A-T-O-M-S. Go to adams.com, A-T-O-M-S dot com slash T-F-T-C. Uh, and you're going to get a free pair of their dope socks at checkout if you buy a pair of shoes. Uh, again, incredible product. Loving the shoe. Uh, where it's my weekend shoe. Where we're running around with my son. Uh, extremely comfortable. Stylish. Look good. I mean, low time preference individuals. You're going to buy things that are going to last a while. You want it to be timeless. Makes you look good. Adams does that. Um, yeah, thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to, to you freaks, uh, buying shout outs, contributing, uh, and, and supporting us on social media. We really appreciate it. If you guys can give us a subscribe, a follow, a rate review, however you're consuming our content, wherever you're consuming it. if you have the ability to do that, uh, we really appreciate when you freaks support us in that way, because it just helps us get the show out to more people. And, as you guys know, we're just trying to get quality Bitcoin information in the hands of the masses. Um, and I think this this rip does a good job of that. It's a really dense uh, quality rip, in my humble opinion. Enjoy. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. is a freaks welcome back to tales from the crypt rabbit hole recap it is thursday january 21st 2021 it's been a pretty crazy 24 hours 
in the Bitcoin world, Matt. We were just discussing, and we decided to launch the conversation. I mean, it's been a little bit, uh, it's been a weird week. I just feel like I've been trying to uh, use social media less in general. It's uh, a, a very non-concrete New Year's resolution. I don't have any particular measurables, but I'm just trying to use it less. And my only social media is is Bitcoin stuff at this point. Uh, it's been that way for a couple of years. Uh, but every time I logged into Bitcoin Twitter, uh, I felt like it was just like the plebs. It was like Bitcoin was just like fighting some random person fudding us, right? Like I just, I felt like there there was really, um, there was a lot of Twitter wars going on over the last week. Yeah, well, with the price going up again, the, the no coiner fudsters are back. So there was a lot of drama around a particular thread, I forget the name of the gentleman who posted it but basically your run-of-the-mill bitcoin consumes too much energy fud people jump down his throat pretty uh pretty aggressively myself included um what else went on uh, you were like leading the war over there i mean the as te- you should the tether fud uh another piece yeah. of tether fud came out i thought we were done with tether we'll never be done with tether until uh. we're officially done with it it's gone um the tether fight cut me off guard. The energy usage thing, I mean, I think we just know that's going to keep on happening. Yes, um, yes. For a while at least. Um, yeah, I mean, and then today we had we had a double hit. We had uh, we had Craig, we had CSW, we had Fake Toshi uh, do his copyright lawsuits to Bitcoin.org and BitcoinCore.org and presumably other sites that are hosting the white paper. Um, so there's been like an elevated associated CSW FUD coming out. Like for the first time in a while, I've been seeing those like bullshit screenshots that they, that the SVers like to, to tweet out. Um, they've been quieted for like, for the last eight months to a year because they just, we keep hitting his deadlines where he says he's going to destroy Bitcoin and he doesn't do fucking shit because he's fucking full of shit. Uh, and their price keeps going down. So they've been kind of quiet and they're kind of like, eking out of the woodwork um, and then that was combined with um, what I guess what people are calling a du- double spend FUD uh, where I mean I think we should dive into both of those things like I actually you know talk about them here um, but I don't think either are any real concern to Bitcoin no weak FUD in the grand schemes scheme of things uh, yeah so before we jump into the topics let's just List off the basics here. What we do every show, Clark Moody's dashboard, the current price of Bitcoin is $31,905. Dollar's going a little further than it did last week. You're going to get 3,134 sats for $1. The current Bitcoin market cap is valued at $593.6 billion. Clark added the corporate treasuries to uh, his dashboard, which I think is really cool. And currently, I believe this is going off of Rodolfo's site, uh, Bitcoin Treasuries. Dot org or dot com? I don't know. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. I thought it was dot org. Currently, it's a very established organization over there. Website. <laughs> uh, the data that Rodolfo has aggregated is saying that there are currently one million two hundred sixteen thousand sixty Bitcoin bitcoins, uh, Bitcoin <laughs> on. Uh, corporate balance sheets right now. That's six point five four percent of the total supply. No, oh, he has both domains, and that is worth 
$38.8 billion. Here's the .com and the .org. Yes. Uh, we had... No, we did not have a difficulty adjustment. Um, currently, blocks are coming in only 10 seconds quicker than the 10-minute uh, block target, which is interesting. Uh, oh, that's why. I'm looking at the wrong stat. Um, the The next slated difficulty adjustment is estimated to be 1.9% upward adjustment, uh, and that's estimated to be on January 23rd, 2021, so at some point this weekend. Uh, I was looking at the last difficulty adjustment, which was uh, an increase of 10.8%. That's why it confused me. Um, mempool transactions, there's currently 67,552 transactions in Clark me- Clark's mempool, uh, the the lowest sat per byte that you're going to be able to get in, according to Clark's dashboard, is five sat per byte, and you'll have to wait a week to get that confirmed. With his estimators, uh, currently Samurai Whirlpool has 2,252.54 BTC in liquidity. That's $71.9 million. I think the, the price fall over the last week has, has taken... Whirlpool away from its U.S. dollar all-time high, but it's still hovering around its Bitcoin liquidity all-time high, potentially there right now. Um, yeah, interesting thing about you got an interesting discussion to have about the mempool and transactions in the mempool. We do have a shout-out transaction in the mempool. I did some research on this particular shout-out. It is still uh, hovering in some people's mempools, the transaction in route freak sent it last week with a 1.2 sat per byte fee attached to it. I know it's in route currently not confirmed in any blocks. Do we read it? It's a pretty good shout out too. No, I'd we hate. don't read it. Okay. Until it's so, confirmed. Okay. So we just got, I guess what we brought up shout out. Should we just get them out of the way right now? I mean, I think that's a perfect explanation of, of the double spend situation. Okay. Yeah, so let's use this to to explain the double spend situation. So this is an invalid, not an invalid transaction right now. It just hasn't been confirmed in a block. A freak sent a shout out worth of fifty dollars worth of Bitcoin, uh, approximately one hundred thirty nine thousand, one hundred forty thousand sats. I uh, due to BTC Pay server, I can look up the transaction ID, and using that, I I can see that this freak sent a transaction with a one point two sat per byte fee uh again looking at clark's dashboard doesn't look like that's going to get confirmed in a block Ooh, I actually just clicked a transaction it's not found anymore so it's not even in a mempool um needs anymore. to be rebroadcast so it needs to be rebroadcast we will not but that means it's this. not in block streams mempool right what are you on blockstream.info yes yeah yeah so it's not in block streams mempool anymore i did see it this morning and, when i checked and- and mempool.space, it, it still will be a mempool.space's mempool because mempool.space uh, is running an increased size from the default mempool size. They're, they're having a, a larger mempool size. Um, and they actually now on their website show what that cutoff is. So, I mean, if we go to their website right now, I presume the cutoff is above 1.2 sats per byte. And that's why this transaction has been dropped from um, the default ones. Yeah, they're saying less than 2.6 sats per byte um, are getting dropped out of default mempools. And maybe Blockstream has a slightly larger than default, but not quite enough. Um, you know, uh, right now it's saying that the total size of mempool.space's mempool is 371 megabytes. 
um, the default is 300. So there's a 71 overhang there that, that basically those funds can still be confirmed in the future, but you need to rebroadcast them so that they hit everyone's mempool again. Once the, once the, the, it clears the fee out. rates go down, right? Yeah. The fee pressure goes down. So let's just jump right into this double spend uh, attack, uh, not attack, a double spend that happened yesterday. Um, so let's use this as an someone... example. So what if I were to read, if I was still seeing this in this shout out in the mempool, and so the scenario in this particular case would be I just have hopes that it's going to get confirmed in a block and do a zero conf. Like, okay, so, this is good. Like, I'm going to read this, depending, uh, expecting that it'll get cleared in a block. At so, some like, point. we read the shout out, um, and then it hasn't confirmed yet. So, then the freak who sent the shout out is also like, let's say he's a fan of Stefan Levero's podcast. So, then he, he takes his wallet, um, and you have to modify the wallet a little bit to do this, but he, he takes the wallet, uh, and instead he constructs a transaction with the same inputs as the transaction he sent to us. But instead of sending it to us, he sends it to Stefan Levera and he includes a higher fee. And then the miners confirm that. And then Stefan gets the money. We never get the money, but we already read the shout out for him. Exactly. Um, so, so as you can see in this situation, there's, there's, you know, one main thing that someone can do to protect themselves is they should wait for a confirmation. And really, as it's a larger amount, as the amounts get larger, they should wait more confirmations, right? Uh, famously, people know about the six confirmations uh, that you're supposed to wait before you accept a, a large Bitcoin transaction. But really, there's no exact number. It's it's a yeah, scaling type arbitrary. of thing. Yeah, and it and it, it depends on who's paying you, your exact situation, how you know what you're releasing to them upon receipt. Um, so obviously, you need a person. Um, on the receiving end of the transaction, who's going to get duped and tricked into doing something on the opposite side for it to be an actual attack, um, to, to be a successful attack, to actually steal someone's money. Um, so in this particular situation, this so-called double spend FUD, yeah, go on. I was going to say, you're not really stealing their money there. You're stealing their goods and not giving them money. Right, the, all, the thing they're giving you for it. Yeah. Um, like a lot, of, like a lot of times, what that thing. If, if you're talking about like a, uh, an alt, an alt chain, um, it's like if someone double spends Litecoin and you paid them Bitcoin, then they get to keep your Bitcoin, right? And you so, so you see it a lot on, from shitcoin to Bitcoin, uh, where people are releasing Bitcoin too early. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so so with this particular situation, what happened was someone sent a small transaction, um, twenty one dollars worth at the time, I believe. Yeah, it was a very small Bitcoin transaction. It was one sat per byte. Uh, he or she realized it it hadn't been confirming. Um, so they increased the fee using a, a traditional RBF uh, replaced by fee transaction, which actually didn't change the receiving address. Um, it just changed how much the fee was that was going to be paid. Um, and then there's two miners, slush pool and F2 pool, both mined a block at the same time. One had one of those transactions in with the higher fee and one had the one with the lower fee. And the one that got confirmed, the, the one that the block that ended up getting built on by following miners and was the main part of the chain was the one with the lower fee. So the only difference that happened was whoever this user was, whoever they paid, you know, got got more money than they would have if they a higher fee was paid. You know, that that's it. It went to the same exact address and everything. Yes. So slush pull went out that battle. They 
the mining battle. They built blocks on top of slush pools, valid block at the same time. F2 pool had a valid block at the same height, but the network built upon slush pools chain. Um, yeah. And so this person was basically just able to send their transaction. Luckily for them, the RBF didn't get caught by slush pool in the original transaction. It so got included. And I think after reading Hasu's dissection of, of the, um, the event, it is like you said, it is pretty likely that this person was just sending either to themselves or someone they knew. Cause again, it went to the same address and they were just trying to get it through more quickly. So yes, the, the RBF transaction was accepted by F2 pool, but that block wound up being invalid at the end of the day because the network decided to build on slush pools block instead. Usually the sign of a malicious double spend is that the, the destination address is changes, right? The output address changes. And in this case that didn't happen. Um, it was a very small amount. This was Bitcoin working exactly as designed. Um, and, and this is why we wait for confirmations, uh, when we use Bitcoin, um, this I, the, I I'd like to just add on top of this. Not only should this not concern you as a Bitcoiner, um, I mean this is definitely something that that people should be aware of and understand how these this dynamic works. I mean it's key to the whole Bitcoin uh, model, right? The game theory model. Uh, but this idea that it, it's the reason that the price fell ten percent is like absolute it's bullshit. Ludicrous. Yeah. Like maybe like maybe like your your friend Joe. Or like your uncle Jim or whatever your uncle not Uncle Jim because he knows what's going on but like Uncle Bob, uh, like texted you and he like panic sold like his seventy five dollars worth of Bitcoin on Coinbase but like no one with like a considerable amount of money, um, was was panic selling off of off of Bitcoin working as designed. I, I just I, I I find that extremely hard to believe. Bitcoin dumps like that. This is what happens. It doesn't just go straight up forever. Uh, I mean it does, but it's going to have hills and valleys in the, in the, in the short term. Agreed. Yes. And especially when you consider the fact that double spend attacks have been successful in the past. Most famously, I just put this link in the show notes, Peter Todd, Bitcoin core developer, former Bitcoin core developer. I'm not sure what his status is today, but he, he actually executed a successful double spend on Coinbase uh, in 2016. So we'll put that link in the show notes for it, right? I think so. Yeah, I believe so. (laughs) Um, so we'll put that link in the show notes if you guys want to learn more about how it's been, uh, this, this vector has been exposed in the past. But again, like we've been saying, uh, the, if you wait for X amount of confirmations, the likelihood of your transaction getting overwritten, uh, is, is significantly reduced. So if you're a retailer out there accepting Bitcoin for payment, you're releasing goods, that's something. So that's like with the shout outs, I wait for six confirmations even though it's fifty dollars <laughs> we could read this freak's um shout out now but he could double spend us so that's why we're not going to do it i uh, uh yeah i mean we even talked about it on on rabbit hole recap a couple weeks ago that uh, you know i had a friend of a friend reach out that that got ledger phishing scammed attacked and the scam transaction underpaid on the fees and and we were trying to double spend it in time um so it's exactly how the protocol is supposed to work. And uh, whether or not you think something is an attack or not also depends on your perspective, right? Because if, if we had successfully double spent that phishing scam transaction, I would have considered it a rescue, not an attack. But either way, right. it definitely would have been a double spend. 
Yes, yes. It is possible. It is part of the network. Any of you guys who are new here, do not fret. This is the way asynchronous proof-of-work consensus mechanisms work. And if, uh, if you don't want to wait for a confirmation, if, 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 if you're, whatever your situation is is time-sensitive, then this is why Lightning exists. Exactly, exactly. Very good point. Um, with that being said, we'll just roll into the two shout-outs that we can't read this week because they have more than six uh, confirmations on the Bitcoin blockchain. Marty and Matt heard the phrase CIA honeypot on last week's rip and knew it was time to buy my first shout-out. The purpose of the shout-out is to ask you your thoughts on any intelligence agency, Bitcoin theories, or any great reset theories. We are the suspected honeypot companies. Who are the suspected honeypot companies currently operating Renpot? Uh, I don't know what Renpot means, but what are your craziest Bitcoin conspiracy-related ideas? Uh, in this, Adam Carey said he used to think that energy produced from Bitcoin mining was being used to create a super decryption device. If the Great Reset relies on a financial system reset, what does that mean for Bitcoin? Is the Fed tanking the dollar so we all get used to cryptocurrencies? It's a race between... Bitcoin adoption in network maturity versus a financial reset. Don't want to contribute to any FUD here. I do have confidence humans will choose freedom in that Bitcoin over Fed coins. Uh, keep up the good work. Bitcoin Scut. S-C-U-T-T. Thank you for the shout out, Scott. Uh, very interesting <laughs> questions that we and topics we can jump into. So I guess just to rehash what we have to answer here, Matt. Uh most likely CIA honeypot uh, companies. What do we think about the Great Reset? What's your favorite Bitcoin conspiracy theory, Marty? I mean, well, the Adam Carey one. So, again, to, to rehash this part of the shout, Adam Carey said he used to think that energy produced from Bitcoin mining was being used to create a super decryption device. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. But one of my favorite theories is that Satoshi's uh, coins, which are, or in wallets that are more susceptible to quantum being attacked by by quantum computers one of my favorite theories is is that is actually bitcoin the network is not necessarily a, a supercomputing network to to learn how to decrypt um, certain cryptography instead it will be an alarm system that allows us to know when something someone has figured out these these crazy decryption tools and satoshi stash being the first target that would be um one of the first targets that would be targeted if it ever came to fruition again i'm highly yeah. skeptical of this is quantum stuff ever coming to market after conversations with bob mcelrath who who is a physicist and has thought about this stuff a lot but it is a theory if there is a chance that quantum computers exist and satoshi stash sure. acting as an alarm system is is an interesting one so so that that is also my favorite uh one um just just to unpack it a little bit it's twofold right the idea is um bitcoin you know satoshi stash increasing in value uh provides an incentive to create a quantum computer in the first place that is, is capable of of basically taking the public key and and brute forcing the private key from the public key uh so it, it both the theory is that it both creates an incentive to do it and when it happens it creates an alarm system that the world would know that that computer exists um, the, the, the distinction there that Marty said, is he said, Satoshi's coins, but not like our coins is because we've since moved to a pay to public key hash 
address system. So instead of it just being a bare public key, there's also a one-way hash function there that provides some protection until your public key is exposed. Famously, your public key is exposed though when you spend. And also, if we get Taproot integrated, we move back to a bare pub key system instead of pub key hash. So presumably the whole network then becomes um, that incentive and, and that alarm system than just Satoshi's coins. Uh, but once again, like this is like a far theory. Um, if we have like quantum that's capable of doing that, we're going to have a lot of other problems on our hands as well. Like the whole global banking system and, and the way nuclear, our online we, infrastructure works. The nuclear arsenals are the number one thing people should be worried yeah. about if that happens. But my big thing that I came to the conclusion of in the beginning when I saw that conspiracy and I said, that kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> right. um, and, 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 and there's another like kind of tangential version of it where like the feds, just have the stash. So they have a ton of, of, of Bitcoin and they're waiting for hyper Bitcoinization so that they can still maintain, you know, their their hegemony powers as America uh, in like a in what would otherwise be a post dollar world, but they have Bitcoin. Isn't that that's like the most bullish scenario ever? Like our our biggest foe is like is 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 presumably like the the one entity the one single entity that has the most capability of, of stopping bitcoin from succeeding is the u.s government and its agencies its federal agencies so if for some reason they're behind the creation of bitcoin that would probably be a, a extremely bullish fundamental so it was never like a to me like some people might say what we just had a conversation about would be considered fud but to me i would say that it, it's actually the opposite yeah that theory that like the NSA create a Bitcoin like game, war gaming out the future. If we were to go down uh, the path, the path that we have gone down in, in the traditional financial system with all the money printing and, and fiscal stimulus uh, to create a, a, a fail safe that people could fall back on. It's another theory. I don't really subscribe to that. It'd be bullish as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it is interesting in terms of CIA honeypots. I mean, I mean, I think they're pretty out in the open too. Like exchanges, we talk about anything that's KYC, AML, all that information's going to these agencies. So VPNs, VPNs. like a bunch of VPN providers are probably CIA honeypots. Like, you know, if you want to get really tinfoil hatty, like hardware wallets could be susceptible to it. You know, yeah, obviously Tor is a love-hate relationship. Who the hell knows what's going on there? People like throwing the ball at Signal. Um. This is why open source is important, right? Because if you don't have open source, you're just you have to take companies and developers at their word. Um, you have to trust them, and and they could be doing shady shit behind the scenes. But if you have open source software, um, then at least some people can prove and verify those claims. It's not just a trust based relationship. Uh, and and if 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 you learn how to verify signatures and stuff like that then you can base your um your trust off of a more distributed trust model than just trusting like any particular company mm -hmm. uh, that's the key that's the key provable and verifiable yes yes so another question here is the fed tanking the dollar so we all get used to cryptocurrencies i would argue no and i wrote about it this morning like i, I think uh, on both the monetary and the fiscal side, the Fed, in conjunction with the Treasury and House of Congress and the and, and the Senate, has 
back themselves into a corner out of hubris. Again, talk about this ad nauseum in this podcast, but going all the way back to 1970s when we went off the gold standard. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's controlled demolition of the economy over the course of decades. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I think it's more uh, hubris to have the the expert class thinking they can micromanage something as complex as, as a global economy and the policy decisions they've made in the past to back them into a corner uh, in which they cannot get out of. And the only option they have moving forward, again, we've talked about this a lot, is, is default via inflation. So I don't think they're tanking the dollar to get people used to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies per se. I think it's just the nature of the policy decisions they've made in the past really handcuffing their ability to do anything politically palatable other than print money. Again, the other option is just outright defaulting on the debt in public, which is, uh, from an optics perspective, just untenable. It's not, not possible for the political class to do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like some massive conspiracy. I think uh, these 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 organizations are run by people. Uh, the, you know, no one really knows what's going on. Everyone's just uh, kind of like flying by wire and just going with it. And they have faulty incentives. They have these very short term incentives where they're not going to be around. Um, so one thing left to one one thing has led to the next, and the current guys, you know, and ladies that are in in power over there just they have nothing there's there's no tools at their disposal they got to just keep digging the hole they can't you can't go back now it's yeah. too late to go back now and fortunately we have bitcoin as a, as a lifeboat but um there's a lot of scenarios where we didn't have bitcoin here so thank fucking god we got bitcoin yeah, thank god we have bitcoin um shout out to scott thank you for the very thought provoking shout out Second shout-out, last shout-out of the day. We're supposed to have three, but we have a transaction <laughs> wait in somebody's mempool. Uh, Matt and Marty, have some Wayne Gretzky number 99 Canadian whiskey to sip on while watching adult lacrosse, a.k.a. hockey. Um, I don't know why Canadians like to like to shit on their national sport, which is lacrosse and not hockey. So, <laughs> I love hockey. I'm never going to shit on it, but like lacrosse is a very high-quality sport. I recommend people play and encourage your children to play freaks the dream is real i've quit my fiat nine to five and will be exploring the world in an rv with my family my wife is an absolute smoke show and is ready to homeschool the kids <laughs> with me she's starting to tell her friends hfsp like a true bitcoin maxi my boomer father is converted and is now onboarding his early adopter boomer friends my financial advisor friend is finally not arguing and is now asking how to do things in bitcoin Remember, you are the lighthouse shining the way for everyone around you. Stand your ground, buckle up your big boy slash girl pants, and stack those sats. Yours truly, MN underscore hodl, uh, born again Nim after leaving the fiat world. Well, congratulations yes. on your uh, departure from the fiat world and 9 to 5 and freedom in the RV. I wish you well. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to assume any situation. I'm assuming you're doing this. Uh, in a good financial situation, but uh, I think this is a good opportunity to bring up a lot of people, especially during bull runs, um, f try to quit their jobs, thinking they're going to live the dream on Bitcoin for the rest of their lives. Just if you're working, keep working. Uh, and, and, and you can keep making cock bucks and stacking sats with those. Um, do that. But it seems like our boy MN underscore hodl is living the dream right now. Congrats on your, on your, uh, your release from that nine to five yeah. fiat hell. 
I mean, if you can comfortably escape the fiat mines, then by all means do it. Um, but we're mining the most out of that fiat mine that we can possibly get. Uh, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's diminishing quickly. Let me put it that way. The amount we can we can get out of the fiat mines is diminishing very quickly. Um, I just wanted to add there that, I mean, like if you're truly pro hockey, then really the phrasing should be that lacrosse is child's hockey, not <laughs> that hockey is adults lacrosse. You need to you need to switch the unit of account. Yeah. Invert invert that. Yes. Yes. But cheers for Across I'm jealous of your sport. the RV lifestyle. I, I dig it. I, I I thought about it myself. Instead, you know, right now we're like road tripping houses to houses. Uh, I don't know if, yeah, I I hear like the RV can be like a real fucking sats pit. Like you can just just end up, you know, there's like one maintenance thing after another that you have to and fucking the, uh, deal with. Septic tank uh, involvement alone. I think I Tense. talked about this on Rabbit Hole that I had friends at the beginning of the. Pandemic. Yes, you did. Yes, I they just this. bought like an old an old RV and they've just been driving around working remotely from it. It's not bad. I, Tom at Great American Mining, he's our wheels on the ground. He's he's living that lifestyle too and is loving it. Um, I think if you do it, you got to splurge. You got to go. You can't try. It it can't be like a money. If it's like a money saving thing, like you're gonna probably just. I don't know, end up in like a massive quagmire. Like you got to be willing to spend a little bit. Yes, yes. Quality of life, freaks. Quality of life, it's important. It's important. Let's be aware. Shout out to Scut and MN underscore Hoddle for the shout outs. We love the shout outs. We love interacting with your freaks. We get great pleasure. If any of you freaks are listening, you want to purchase a shout out, you can do so at tftc.io slash contribute. If you're listening to this wherever you are, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, uh, podcast apps, everywhere, RSS feeds. If you're, I mean, if you're RSS feed, if you're picking up the RSS feed, you already are subscribed, essentially. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a rate, a review. It goes a long way. Again, we're just trying to get quality information out there, especially as the FUD keeps rolling and rolling in. So we already dismantled the double spend FUD, and next up is... Uh, Craig Wright is back. I know we mentioned it uh, in the beginning of the episode, but I think we should give this some more tick here. What is going on? Uh, is there anything to worry about? And it is a pretty nuanced situation. The position some core devs have been put in, um, and and the reaction from the community this morning was uh, was highly encouraging. Um, but let's get your perspective on it first, Matt. I mean, so like the the overarching thing is we have. We have CSW out there who's been pretending to be Satoshi now for five years. Yeah, I don't know, a lot of years, um, and he's clearly not Satoshi. Uh, he's obviously full of shit. Um, you know, the two key things is is that he keeps pretending he has Bitcoin, but has never proven that he has Bitcoin. Uh, the cool part about Bitcoin is that you can easily uh, in a trust minimized way, verify, like show in a verifiable way that, that you own, you own Bitcoin and which Bitcoin you own uh, by just signing a message. You don't have to put any funds at risk or anything, and you can just verifiably prove it, which he never has. Um, the simple man's way of doing it is you can send a Bitcoin transaction, uh, which he has <laughs> never done. Um, so instead he just plays all these legal fucking games. 
um, while talking talking shit. You know, they constantly move the deadlines. They go, oh, he's going to sell all his coins in February. Wait till you see what happens in March. Wait till you see what happens in June. And they just keep moving the fucking deadlines. So you stamp it, you continue on, and, and you move along. But the most recent situation is that it appears that he's suing people over the Bitcoin white paper and saying that he's Satoshi, so it's his copyright, and that he doesn't allow you to host it. Um, the two main sites he hit was Bitcoin.org and BitcoinCore.org. Um, Bitcoin.org told him to go fuck himself, and BitcoinCore.org appears like really quickly after a couple acts you know, on the repo, uh, removed it from their site. Uh, like within like two hours, they like removed it from the site. Um, so then, so then Cobra who runs Bitcoin.org wrote a whole blog post about it, calling them out for it. And on a positive note, the positive note is that we saw like the community step up and just so many people and organizations started posting it, you know, just straight up strides and affecting, uh, this PDF was everywhere, like within a matter of a couple of hours. Um, we did our best at TFTC to to contribute to this effort. We have screenshots of the white paper on our site. I don't, I'm too dumb to figure out how to link to a PDF. So that's the best we could do right now. DJ, if you're listening, let's figure that out. We have PDFs up at Square Crypto has a PDF up. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine has a PDF up. Uh, a lot of pretty much like everyone put them up. I put it up on my personal website. I posted the screenshots onto Twitter. People are posting to Bitcoin rabbi annotated the whole thing on Twitter. Like did like a fucking like 25, 30, pay, 30 tweet, uh, Bitcoin white paper thread. Um, so it's out there. It's everywhere. I don't think that's the point though. Um, I think it's really good to see that people do that and like everyone should keep a local copy. And I think this is one of the reasons torrents are really important, you know, um, I'm seeding a torrent that has the white paper. I see the torrent that it has the last, you know, the last couple of versions of Bitcoin Core. I see that torrent as well. Um, this is a perfect example of where torrents are underappreciated. Uh, but I was just curious, like your opinion on on Bitcoin Core removing it like so quickly and just like falling in line. Yeah, full disclosure, I didn't do it. A complete dissection of of the GitHub repo of Bitcoin Core. Um, nor have I dove too far into the, the arguments. I was a little bit busy this morning. It all sort of unfolded as soon as I finished up daddy duty. Um, but the way I said that, I guess the best I can do is try to explain the point of view of the core devs that made this decision the way I understand it. And I guess it was Vladimir and a couple others who've been contributing to the, the, the code base and maintaining the code base on, on GitHub and then by extension, BitcoinCore.org as well, which is supposed to be a community site and really altruistic and not really um, meant for commercial purposes other than distributing uh, news about Bitcoin Core and, and the code. Um, and I guess Bitcoin, that's why they had the PDF up there. Uh, the way I understand it, these guys just don't want to go through any legal trouble. They're worried about litigious um, uh, scenarios where they have to go to court and that's why they took it out. I can definitely see that and I just don't want that headache but I guess the question then becomes like how uh, probable is is you, is you are these is the possibility of these devs going actually having to go to court and some people would argue that it's very low um, considering how how many of these lawsuits Craig Wright has, has lost along the way. 
Uh, I mean, I think like everything else, there's nuance, right? Um, so I, I, I think there's no hard and fast rule here uh, when it comes to uh, legal trolls. And it's going to always be an issue. Uh, and it's an issue that, you know, I fucking wish didn't exist. Um, that said, like in this particular case where you have a known pathological liar um who's like hell-bent on just trying to you know he's just throwing his arms around just trying to cause whatever chaos he can fucking cause um like i have a lot of respect for those guys over there but i just you cannot you can't just roll over yeah. in a matter of two hours and just give it to him i mean even if you know if, if we're talking about this on air but even if you had the most shut and dry, you know, cut and dry case, um, if you get a copyright thing and you run the whole site through Git, which is what they do, like everything's out in the open, all changes. Um, if you if you like propose it in Git and you ha start having a discussion about it within the first couple of days of receiving a notice, like you're still acting in good faith. There's no like there's literally no reason to rush uh, a removal of it. Um, I think the community handled it appropriately, which is, is that none of these guys, you know, should, should be above critique. Uh, we, we shouldn't be, you Agreed. know, we should respect them and we should respect their opinions and we should use that for our own assessment. But ultimately, like if they tell us to install software, like we shouldn't install software, we can't, we can't, uh, without verifying it ourselves or at least making an assessment ourselves. We can't um, rely on them to just host things. Anything that anything that they're hosting right now, you should be concerned about. You should you should you should be hosting it yourself. You should have a local copy. Maybe contribute to torrents. Like everyone should be seeding a bunch of different files on torrents that are that are important files to them. But they should also be keeping local copies for themselves. Um, I mean, we have Bitcoiners that mirror the entire repo. You know, every single little change they keep they keep their own copy for. And this is the exact type of reason because yeah, in this case, it was just a PDF of, of the Bitcoin white paper. Uh, that's very easy to replicate. That's a very small file. Uh, you know, the smaller a file is the easier it is for a file to be censorship resistant because you can just send it around to like a million different mediums. Um, but like in the future, it could be the actual Bitcoin core. Like it could be the actual fucking application right and um this is why bitcoiners need to constantly be adversarial and be vigilant right yes i agree no i completely agree with that these people are these people um developers are not beyond reproach at all it is yeah the, the quickness with which it happened again like i was just watching it from afar on twitter when i could pay attention um i could see the side of like hey you don't want to have to go to court but like honestly like yeah what are the chances you got to stand up for something here and just tell give him the middle finger and tell him to fuck off but i can't also see like hey i don't want to deal with this headache it's just easier to do this but yeah the code is distributed through this site as well so uh, maybe that like like you just said like maybe we just need to start normalizing the um that's what we do yeah the right the, the dis distribution of this code to many sources, like, mainly GitHub and then Torrent, like you said, BitTorrent and other, I think, other things. I think it's completely reasonable for us to be disappointed in these guys for, for rolling over so easily. 
Um, I am 100% disappointed. Uh, but at the same time, I cannot be very angry. I can't be angry at them because from a personal responsibility point of view, the question is, what am I doing to make sure that that, you know, that that information is out there, that information is available? I have the capability of hosting it. I'm going to host it. Um, I have the capability of verifying it. I'm going to verify it, right? And um, I think that's the ultimately that's that's the productive mentality to have. Um, but 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 100%. We should hold all anyone who works on Bitcoin should be held to a high standard. And the only way we can hold people to a high standard is if we hold ourselves to a higher standard. So I think across the board, Bitcoiners should just hold themselves to an extremely high standard and then pass that along to every other, you know, Bitcoiner they know. Yes. We're stronger together. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Maybe BitcoinCore.org or Bitcoin.org is a weak link. Strengthen it up by distributing the data that they distribute as well. Whether it be the Bitcoin white paper, the Bitcoin Core implementation code. Uh, yeah, we mentioned it earlier as well. Energy usage FUD smacked me in the face on Twitter earlier this week. I'm trying to think of which thread you're you're referencing particularly in in the show I, notes I, here. <laughs> I didn't mean it in it like a like that you got like smacked unconscious or whatever. Uh, like you got smacked and then you smacked back harder. That's all. Yeah. It's like I signed in and I just like I just saw you were like at war with energy FUD and I just signed off. <laughs> it's uh, it's fascinating. It really is. Um. The repeated FUD around energy and, and the lack of critical thinking behind this particular critique of Bitcoin. Uh, again, I, I think it was on a Bitcoin mining talk on Clubhouse earlier today. And I think people, the nature of the Bitcoin network being so open, the fact that it's an open source project and you can pull the the stats from the network at any given point in time one of those stats being network hash rate and difficulty and using those particular stats stats excuse me uh sort of uh, uh guess how much energy is being consumed by bitcoin miners around the world um how much energy it took to produce that particular hash rate and so it's very visible and out in the open, like, hey, here's how much energy Bitcoin is consuming. You literally have a number to point at and and dissect um, the data. And that doesn't really exist outside of Bitcoin. I mean, you have your, your electric meter at your house that you can you can audit and you know how much electricity you're, you're spending personally. But in aggregate, I mean, you can also pull data from grids and stuff like that, but you're not going to get granular data on particular use cases sucking energy from the grid or other sources um so with bitcoin again since it's open and out and in public and, and wears its energy consumption on its sleeve it makes people a bit uneasy because they're actually seeing um, a true calculation of energy expenditure to run this particular function um, adding blocks to the bitcoin ledger and yeah i mean we've been through this many times you freaks have listened to me on this podcast bitcoin is overall good for the environment and, and the energy sector in general. Most Bitcoin miners, again, most recent, the most recent estimates, uh, miners are using renewables at a pace of 70% of the network is, is using renewable energy as their, their energy source. And then even, uh, there probably are people connecting to coal plants in places like China as well. Um, but I would argue that's a very minuscule part of the, the network. And then, what we're doing 
uh, at Great America Mining and other companies like Upstream Data and Caruso is is we're actually using fossil fuels as our energy source. However, those are fossil fuels that would have otherwise been wasted, stranded, um, or simply well, wasted, vented into the atmosphere. So plugging up flare stacks and instead of burning that methane gas, which is not efficient, especially if you're in places like North Dakota where it's very windy, you want to, when you send it through a flare stack, the intention is to combust the methane, turn it into CO2 because that's uh, less uh, impactful on, on the atmosphere. However, due to the windy conditions in some of these oil fields, that flare stack flows in the wind and, and you actually have a lot of methane leak. They're not as efficient as people would like them to be. So again, methane leaking into the atmosphere is 30 or 40 to 50 times worse than CO2. So Bitcoin miners are actually helping reduce methane leak into the atmosphere by showing up to these places instead of running that methane through a flare stack where you're not really sure the efficiency of, of the stack. You can run it through an EPA certified combustion engine where you know it's going to be 100% combusted, 99.9%, .9%, I think is the um, is the number the industry likes to go with but yeah it helps out the, the energy fud again is driven by lack of critical thinking and the fact that that bitcoin's energy consumption is is out in the open it wears it on its sleeve um it's part of the part of the 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 network it's just um something that comes with it there's literally a direct profit incentive a direct financial incentive to to be better for the environment uh, yes, like if you're yes, that that's ridiculous, and uh, and the the disconnect is so far, the disconnect is so far, that really like if someone repeats this line enough, it's just the assumption is they're automatically acting in bad faith. Um, yes, you give them a chance in the beginning. Um, if they intentionally decide to ignore that, then I think the key with with uh, routine Bitcoin deniers. Uh, delinquent Bitcoin deniers, people that are just constantly, constantly just repeating the same shit and just they don't want to learn. They don't want to actually look into the discussion or the arguments is you have to then pivot uh, your responses. There are no longer your responses are no longer for them and your responses are for their audience, um, specifically on Twitter. If you're responding to someone um, and they have 40,000 environmentalist focused people all watching their Twitter feed um it's 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 important to stay productive and 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 try and show the light to those 40,000 people that follow them rather than that one person who's intentionally digging their hand in the sand for for a different reason right they're not acting in good faith they don't actually want to see environmental improvements yes and then going back to the lack of critical thinking there's a huge miss understanding that that pervades society is that we don't have enough energy on this planet the problem is that's the exact opposite. We have so much energy, we don't know how to harness. Our problem as a society right now is that we cannot harness and transport most of the energy sources that exist on this planet. Uh, it just hasn't been possible. And so Bitcoin, particularly via proof-of-work mining, incentivizes humans to go be productive with the abundance of energy that we have on this planet. So it, it is human human prosperity increases with energy consumption so you actually want to consume more energy you just want to do it as efficiently and and for purposes that that are overall beneficial for society so that's why i'm very passionate well, about bitcoin 
and what we're doing at Great American Mining. You're being a really, hypocrite here, Marty. No, you talked about Joe Weisenthal calling me out earlier this week. No, no, I'm saying because because you always you say like consume, you know, like it's the negative, like people shouldn't be yes prioritizing so I, consumption, and now you're saying that people should prioritize consumption of energy. See, I wrote about this earlier this week. Obviously, didn't read the the vent. Um, the so there, I'm not against consumption. I'm against conspicuous consumption and the type of consumption that's incentivized by perverse incentives that are set up by the the monetary system that we've been forced to live under. It leads to a misallocation of capital and the inflationary nature of the currency makes it so people are forced to consume on things they may have otherwise not consumed if their money wasn't losing purchasing power over time. Um, again, the, the, the idea of planned obsolescence and uh, basically just having a bunch of trinkets in the economy. Yes, that does not sit well with me. I don't like that. And again, I mean, this is me personally. Who am I to judge what anybody's consuming stuff for? I just do think um, in, well, a, in a Bitcoin standard and a better sound monetary system, the opportunity costs shift pretty dramatically. And yes, we could we will probably consume more. But due to the, the fact that opportunity costs are, are more significant in a monetary system with a sound monetary good, uh, you're gonna you're gonna see consumption on things that are overall beneficial to society, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a double aspect, right? It's not just the sound money changing um, time preference of of of, of holders. Um, it's also the fact that specifically with energy consumption, which as humans is probably one of our major spurious consumptions, like our major waste consumptions. Um, I'm looking right now, like it's daylight out and the bathroom I can see from my recording has the light on. Right. And I just like that light should not be on. Like there's no reason for that light to be on. I'm looking at it right now, tethered my computer. So I'm not going to get up and do it. But if I could get stats instead for that, energy that i'm using then i have a financial incentive uh to not turn on that light right um so so there's uh when you have this this base level reward um that like a, a a proper free market valuation of energy then all of a sudden we can allocate it appropriately when you have this like bullshit subsidized uh like socialist energy market it's like impossible. It's impossible for the end user to properly um, allocate according yeah. to like real cost. Yes, completely. And you're highlighting the crux of the the energy problem right there. There's the 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 overall lack of quality in energy grids and transportation and um, uh, battery uh, technology. It's something that we haven't figured out as a species yet. We're working on it. I think Bitcoin helps in that area. And again, um, Bitcoin consume Bitcoin miners predominantly use renewables to, to run their machines. Uh, and when they are using fossil fuels, I, I tend to think they're actually creating efficiencies um, and, and actually a, a positive EV for uh, the globe. And luckily, again, like you said, you don't want to have this subsidized energy 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 industry. Um, you have a pure profit-driven incentive to, to clean up uh, the environment in the oil and gas industry, specifically with Bitcoin mining. You can turn that gas that was otherwise being literally sit, burnt on fire and 
a cost on your balance sheet and you turn it into a revenue stream, which is, is massive. Again, you don't have these subsidies driving tinkering in the energy industry. It's, it's pure profit motives. And I mean, the next piece in our, in our list uh, is a perfect example of that. Um, it's this new mining app in the Arctic circle um, that was previously, I believe for nickel smelting. Um, and now it's being repurposed for Bitcoin mining and the advantages of both. The reason it was previously smelting is because the idea is that it's completely disconnected from the grid. There's no connection to the grid. Um, but now, but, but with, because of Bitcoin, you're able to just um, turn that energy into to money and just store the money instead. Yes, it's beautiful. Uh, yes, yeah, so this Siberian city of uh, Norilsk. Norilsk? That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Population 180,000. Um, uh, Bloomberg did, did this article, and it was really cool. They had a video to go along with it. They had a lot of really cool pictures. It's up there in the Arctic, just chilling. They're able to take advantage of the cool temperatures up there um, to make sure that their machines can can remain cool and or dissipate heat, more importantly. Um, and, yeah, I'm trying to get the exact size on the operation, but I can't find it in the article. What's um, cool here is uh, the main thing that's cool here, I mean, we've, you know, Bitcoiners have been aware of this uh, for a while, especially if you've been listening to Tales from the Crypt. Um the cool thing is that Bloomberg did the write-up. It's a very favorable write-up. They hit most of the key aspects, you know, and this is how this information starts getting mainstream. This is how this information starts um, percolating through the minds. It's, you know, as, as, as fun as the Twitter wars are, like some random guy who's salty about, you know, discovering Bitcoin in 2011 and not buying any um, and pretending he's an environmentalist and, and posting one. back and forth with him is uh is is not going to be nearly as productive as one good take in bloomberg that goes out to like a ton of people um so it's really good to see and i just i we've talked about it in the past on the pod the the core the 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 similarities to aluminum and nickel smelting is very interesting because these are both high power intensive operations that don't need to be attached to a grid um, so there's a ton of comparisons that you can make there. And I think it's a really cool idea of comparing the two industries. Yeah. No, and that's like what BitCluster, which is the Bitcoin mining company in the story is doing. A lot of these smelting factories are abandoned across the world, but they're still hooked up to, to um, an energy source that's just sitting there dormant. And again, Bitcoin miners are energy pirates. They will travel to uh, anywhere in the world where there's cheap energy production. Uh, and I found it, um, doesn't say it's size right now, but BitCluster uh, is set to double its capacity to 31 megawatts this year. So pretty, pretty sizable mining operation. Um, shout out to the bit, the team at BitCluster and Bloomberg. You got to give props for props are due. A good piece. And, ooh. <laughs> staying on the mining tip iranian government is seizing asics this came out um last week the story or, or over the weekend um and, and this like iran's turning into the new china fud i mean not that iran fud has the same effect on the markets that china fud used to in the past but it seems like their government is is whipsawing its decisions around bitcoin um so yeah it's it's started to seize miners it seems like the government is thirsty for those sets 
I mean, I think Iran is playing the playbook exactly as one would expect. That I, I think it's it's you know sanctioned, energy rich countries um, have a direct incentive to uh, nurture a government controlled mining ecosystem, right? Like they they have a massive incentive, and we've talked about this in the past. I mean, the big ones are Venezuela, Iran, and Russia. Um, they have this massive incentive because they have all this energy and they can't easily sell it on global markets because of U.S. sanctions. So instead, they decide to Bitcoin mine. Now, of course, if you're also an authoritarian government in that situation, um, what's the easiest way that you can get your hands on that Bitcoin? Um, it's either by seizing miners or compelling miners to play ball and give you a portion. And if they don't give you the portion, then you seize the miners. And we've seen that happen in Venezuela. And now we're seeing that happen um, in Iran and just very blatantly. And they, they'll always say the same thing, like they're stealing subsidized energy or they're illicit mining operations. And you just have to realize you always have to remember, like, it, you know, winners write history. Whoever is writing that is 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 doing it from their perspective. So obviously someone and that's an authoritarian that's that's in a position of power that wants to take control is going to frame it as an illicit miner. Uh, one man's illicit miners is another man's freedom miners, right? Yes. And similar to the situation in Venezuela, the Iranian government was able to confiscate this miners because they were running on grid and it's pretty easy to to pinpoint when somebody's mining on grid, especially if they're at a certain size uh, based on how much energy they're consuming uh, so i wouldn't be surprised to see an underground off-grid mining community pop up in iran for any iranian mining freaks listening out there we wish you well uh, especially if you are attempting to go off-grid under the radar good luck find sirs and, and ladies yeah there's it's it's threefold these detection uh it's it's uh you have you have grid surveillance which obviously if they see the grids are being used heavily and and you have thermal where they they'll run planes and they'll look for thermal signatures so those two things i guess all three it it basically has very heavy corollaries with uh with with weed growing um cuz you have power usage you have heat being released so thermal usage and then the third one is just general um internet you know electronic surveillance so you know they see you going on forums they see you doing this they see you connecting to bitcoin you know um without a vpn or without tor and and they hit you they hit you that way yes be aware be aware and good luck if you're embarking on a solo mining trip i wish you well may satoshi be on your side we are at the software updates section of the podcast if you're running Blue Wallet, Blue Wallet version 6.0.3 has been released. Am I re reading show notes this week, Matthew? Yes. Uh, you have coin control at vaults, multi-sig vaults. That's really cool. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, share panel when sharing vault call. All right, I'm not reading it. Upgrades it's, to they Blue made Wallet. It, they, they improved the multi-sig. They improved the multi-sig, particularly the, the partially signed Bitcoin transactions. Um, and and having coin control in the multi-sig. Yes. You can now do a PSBT with QR code, which is right, pretty dope. Exactly. Yeah. Um, C-Lightning version 0.9.3 has been released. This was uh, massive as fuck. 
federal qualitative strengthening. Uh, well, that's, that's the just a joke. They just have a I joke. Uh, Watch you run through it. What are the big updates here? Dude, I mean, this one, like, no one's talking about it. I mean, I guess few few people have been talking about it. I know, C Lightning is, I know C Lightning is a, a smaller implementation compared to LND, but um, massive updates. So first of all, they have an update focused on, on messaging, um, and I believe they took this a step further uh, because Sphinx and, and WhatsApp and uh, Juggernaut, these Lightning messaging tools, all rely on WhatsApp provide payments. Um, C Lightning's attempting to bake it in without having that payment. So there's no payment needed for the message. Um, they're trying to, to, to do messaging as a, as, a, as a focus, as maybe that's like a major differentiator. And I think it could be. I mean, in this age of censorship where we're seeing all these new censorship concerns happen, like maybe that is, I mean, I know you've been saying it forever. Maybe that is the killer app. Um, I said, well, it seemed kind of inefficient the way it was being done. It seems like the C Lightning guys are trying to trying to edge in between us where they're like, we agree it could be the major thing, but it is also inefficient how it's done, and they're trying to improve that. Um, and then the second thing is they 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 improved the capability for an average content producer to use Lightning. And I and and I'm trying to phrase it in this right way, but like the main pain point for someone trying to accept donations, accept shout out contributions, set up all these things is, is this idea that you don't want to reuse an address um, for privacy reasons. Um, but then if you're not reusing an address, then you find yourself having to serve invoices constantly, uh, whether that's lightning or serving new addresses, if that's on chain. So they have like a whole suite of improvements that they added here that include static invoices. So you don't have to keep refreshing the invoice invoices that can be denominated in fiat and then changed on the fly to sats um, to be paid um, provable donations so you get the same benefits as key send but really instead of key send where you're just sending to a pub key um, it makes an actual invoice on the fly and that allows you to have a receipt of your of your donation and then a way of handling uh, reoccurring payments subscriptions but it's really not a traditional subscription the way you would think about it where where payments are getting pulled out of out of a user's account really what's happening is um the user is is requesting a brand new invoice every time that they they want to make their reoccurring payments so it's on the client side it's still a push system but it allows for subscriptions yeah shout out to the c lightning team yes yeah, right. so for any of you freaks who've heard us talk about lightning relatively new to bitcoin lightning is a second layer solution to allow uh, Bitcoiners to send Bitcoin uh, quickly, instantly, and for a very low fee to use it more for the medium of exchange. They're actually working on some interesting privacy solutions as well. This Onion Messages, I, I, I think, helps with that. There's three main, or now four main implementations, I guess, um, or maybe five even. Uh, so you have C Lightning, which we've been talking about. LND is probably the most popular. Um, Eclair. Um, by async uh, rust lightning which is what square crypto is working on but then you have electrum which has a python five. lightning implementation yeah um so five yeah five that i know of off the top of my head they're all compat or they all follow the same lightning protocol but are different implementations 
I guess, similar to Bitcoin Core versus Bitcoin Knots versus Bitcoin um, LibBitcoin um, and other implement BTCD. And stuff I mean, in like practice, that. it's very different, right? Y yes, yes. Because like Bitcoin Core just absolutely dominates um, where this is. Uh, it's a bit more competitive. Yeah, a bit more, but still like LND is probably like 70% or something. That's just yeah. out of my ass. Yeah, I think that's what's native in BTC Pay Server too, correct? Yeah, but it's a whole different it's a whole different ballgame than than on chain. Yeah. I mean I've been here I mean I've been I've heard about it yesterday. I'm like extremely bullish on lightning, especially something like Taproot and Schnorr gets implemented. We've had Nadav Cohen and Chris Stewart from Short Bits on this podcast about a year ago now at this point to describe what a transition from HTLC's hash time lock contracts to PTLC's point time lock contracts that would be enabled by Schnorr um, could do for the Lightning Network in terms of uh, routing and, and privacy. And so this concept, which I feel stupid that I was ignorant to it until this week of rendezvous routing, particularly with point time lock contracts, so take a step back for any of you freaks like, what the fuck are you talking about? When you open up a channel, you send Bitcoin into a, a two or two multi-sig contract. Right now, the most popular, the only one, is a hash time lock contract. And in the future, uh, a lot of the Lightning developers are, are excited about the prospect of moving to a new um, two or two multi-sig contract, which would be a point time lock contract. Um, and, uh, it would allow again, really interesting stuff. And again, going back to rendezvous routing, which allows you to send an invoice for your, from your public lightning node or your private lightning node, but you're not actually sending an invoice. You're sending a message to another point of the lightning network where you meet, you rendezvous with the counterparty in your transaction. And that message sort of sends it, sends is receives the sats and sends it to your public node without revealing your, your your node public key to your counterparty, uh, which sounds very fascinating to me from a privacy perspective. It's like Benjamin Button. You meet you meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, a rendezvous of sat sold soldiers in the wild. Um, yeah, no rendezvous routing is. Uh, it doesn't need taproot. It doesn't. No, it exists now, but I think the yeah. the improvements that come with PTLCs. Um, would significantly uh, improve that that flow. Basically, the idea is, I mean, my understanding is is the idea is like right now, if I want to pay someone, uh, I have to know their public key, um, which is a fixed public key. But with rendezvous routing, I don't have to know their public key. Um, yes. And if you want to take that to, you want to take it to its uh, practical extension, if I'm withdrawing from Bitfinex, Bitfinex right now, if I withdraw through Lightning, they know which which node I'm withdrawing to. They know the public key of the node. But if there's rendezvous routing, then they won't know that. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Bitcoin Dev Kit version 0 0.3.0 has been released. This is um, the project that um, Steve Myers and uh, Marco, oh, God, I forget his name, Fellini. Fellini, correct? I've been working on, have gotten grants from Square Crypto. Yes, Alekos Fellini. That's his name. Yes. What is his name? It's like five three or something, right? Yeah. Let me let me double check. And yeah, no, it doesn't have this his contact info here, but 
Bitcoin dev kit version 0.3.0 has been released if you're experimenting with that. I'm trying to um, make it easier to make wallets. They're trying to create a standardization for for wallet software builders so that wallets are, are more compatible with each other. Different wallets are. Like wallet makers, like wallet devs shouldn't have to build the core code, like the, the, the key elements of the wallet that, that handle all the secure shit. Like they shouldn't have to do that. That's what Bitcoin development kit's trying to do. They're trying to do, you take the BDK and then you can make it pretty. You can add your features on top of it, but at least, you know, the core elements are, are, are legit. Ironclad. Yeah. Yeah, Standardized, peer reviewed, compatible. Yeah. Yeah. So beware. And then we have a separate thing. That's lightning development kit, two separate projects, both being funded by square crypto. Um, that are seeking similar goals. Yes, yes. So shout out to all this work that is going on. That was it for software updates. On to interesting news. Don't know where it's whether it's bullish or bearish. Oh, it's bullish. I'm, I'm leaning towards bullish, but no, nah, I mean, I, I think. So BlackRock announced, they didn't announce anything. Uh, people uh, discovered that recent SEC filings that they... Um, uh, filed earlier this week or earlier this year. I'm not exactly sure when. Uh, I think Macroscope was the first person I saw share them on Twitter. Uh, so basically two filings for two of BlackRock's funds, basically asking the SEC permission uh, to to add the ability to trade Bitcoin futures to their, their fund mandate. Um, and get exposure to Bitcoin via. Are they via asking the permission, markets. or are they just they have to disclose their intent, yeah, disclose, their potential intention, right? They're not asking permission. Yes, they're disclosing mm-hmm. expansion of their mandate per the imagine. rules. They have to like. I love this. I I love that per the rules, all of these fucking big ass funds have to like basically pull their pants down and let us front run them. They have no. <laughs> they have to. They have to do this part, and and this should not come as a surprise to anybody. Um, Larry Fink himself uh, came out and and was was saying positive things about Bitcoin. Um, so it is obviously on their radar. They are the largest uh, fund in the world, right? Like they're the largest. How seven do you, point seven point eight trillion under. How do you put that asset? The largest asset manager in the world is that what, how people phrase it? Yes, because uh, they have many different funds. Um, yeah. If you valued if you if you valued their assets under management in Bitcoin, it'd be over twenty one million Bitcoin. Um, obviously, there could never be more than twenty one million Bitcoin. So there is a shortfall there that institutional FOMO will 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 help um, level out for us, and it should be it should be a fucking fun time. But if anyone is right now selling based off of double spends or some other bullshit that they don't understand while BlackRock is sitting here with their pants down going, we might buy some Bitcoin. Like, ah, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? How'd you end up in that situation? Just like, you know, re- re- rethink your decisions. Yes. So we have to be clear here at the, be as accurate as possible. I don't think they're actually going to be buying Bitcoin. I think they're, they're telling they're going to trade the Bitcoin CME futures specifically. Or other similar products. We'll um, front run them before they buy Bitcoin futures. Then we'll front well, run them before they realize that Bitcoin futures aren't Bitcoin and buy actual Bitcoin. Yes. And then we'll front run them until they realize that not taking custody of their own coins isn't actually ownership. And then they'll finally own Bitcoin. And that's like 
that's like the 10 year decade away yeah easily uh but a lot of fud that's coming from this announcement is oh my god you have the big largest asset manager in the world getting ready to trade the futures markets they're gonna use the paper markets to suppress the price i don't find that to be very uh very logical line of reasoning if you understand the cash carry people think you can just suppress the price on the futures markets with those uh those different futures contracts uh and people think they're completely disconnected from bitcoin at the end of the day but there's a a cash to carry aspect of this where the underlying contracts do need to have uh some physical bitcoin shored up um and then can they really even suppress the price that it's, much via via the the futures markets that's it's, debatable it's too easy to take custody of bitcoin and this is why it's super important that we build this uh culture around bitcoin of taking your own custody um and 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 so 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 we can have these institutional guys they can fuck around all day they can buy the futures they they can buy real bitcoin but then store it with the custodian that they don't actually ever touch the keys and there's like all these different levels there of of a proper ownership you know they obviously not your keys not your coins right um and they can do all these things but uh, in the corner you have millions of humble sad stackers that are just slowly gobbling up supply pulling it off the market keeping it in keys they control using their own node to access it and and they will be a squeeze right and anyone who is stuck holding paper bitcoin without proper collateral are going to get wrecked and they're going to get wrecked hard and we're going to see massive movements to the upside and i think you know that's kind of what we saw on a on a smaller scale in the most recent price rise there was like a lot of people were caught short bitcoin and the crazy thing is they didn't even realize they were short bitcoin you know they like right. they didn't even I was like thinking about, I mean, this is a joke, but I was thinking about uh, yesterday. I was like, my car is pretty old. And then I realized my car is older than Bitcoin. And I'm just like, if I, I feel like if you drive a car that's younger than Bitcoin, like then you're short Bitcoin and you should question <laughs> <laughs> your decision. But basically we have a whole world that is short Bitcoin and they just don't even realize it. And it's just no going to be like a massive short squeeze. No exposure is a short exposure. Exactly. Don't forsake your descendants, I would say ancestors. Always get ancestors and descendants mixed up. They go the opposite directions. Don't fuck either of them. You know, they're both they're both counting. Yeah, on your ancestors are in uh, your preferred afterworld looking down on you, so <laughs> be aware of that. Chain analysis came out with the 2020 illicit activities report. Pretty timely considering uh, the FUD that's being thrown around by Christine Lagarde, uh, Janet yelling at the money printers, and and crew, did um, you use your lady Christine for the beginning of dispatch? I did. I love that. Um, very timely because they're, they're they're an other old line of fud being trotted out. Uh, Bitcoin's used by criminals, drug dealers, terrorists, all that. And and this chain analysis report again, situation where we give props where props are due. Uh, well, no, they can fuck themselves. They they wrote this report as like fud, but. It's, sig- it's got some interesting data in it. What What did you think was most interesting? I thought the the amount being used for these quote unquote illicit activities. I don't know. Like their title, like their title is scams and darknet markets dominated twenty twenty by revenue, right? Um, and then they're like, but ransomware is the bigger story, right? And then you look at the actual data. 
It's ten million dollars of revenue. Like, right. What the fuck? Uh, no, it's it's billion, right? Oh, billion, yes. But still, but still, it's it's a fraction of of. First of all, they're saying cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin. The majority of it's Bitcoin. Maybe some is Monero. Um, and then they're they're saying, right? They're making it seem like it's 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 this horrible this horrible situation. But if you look at it year over year, it's just fallen off a fucking cliff. It's just gone completely off a cliff. Uh, it's it's way it's way less than it was last year, and and especially as a percentage. But it's it's way less both in absolute fiat terms, which as they as they devalue the U.S. dollar, everything should go up in absolute U.S. dollar terms. So it went down in absolute U.S. dollar terms, and it went down even lower in percentage terms uh, of of Bitcoin usage. Well, to front run uh, the twenty twenty two. FUD that's inevitably going to come. <laughs> this is probably slated to increase significantly this year due to the overwhelming majority of this quote-unquote illicit activity being driven by scams. Um, so as we have a bunch of new, fresh blood coming into this market um, in this new wave of, of adoption, uh, scammers tend to, tend to feast. But it's interesting that it was like 2019, not 2017. Um, considering the price of Bitcoin is relatively depressed. Well, I don't see 2017 in the chart. No, it's there. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, 2019 so blew up. I think it was just because that, uh, that one Ponzi is probably the majority of it. Yeah, the the one coin Ponzi? Yeah. Yeah. The one we've been tracking or whatever. That was both on ETH and Bitcoin. Yes. So if you freaks are new to this podcast, new to Bitcoin, don't ever give sats to anybody who's promising you. Including us. They're gonna, including, there might well, be unless, fake Marty and Matts that are DMing you on Twitter right now. Yes, like we'll never rampant. DM you. We'll only scream at you to go contribute and buy shout outs so we can so we can joke around with you freaks. But yes, if you're new, you have Bitcoin. Uh, there's going to be a lot of get-rich-quick scammers out there who will promise you the world, say, hey, I have this trading bot that's working. Give me Bitcoin. I'll trade on your behalf and give you back the profits. They're never going to give you back the profits. Uh, scams come in many different forms and sizes. Another one, most famously and probably most common, is the the altcoin scammers who say they're, they're creating a better Bitcoin. Give me some of your Bitcoin. I'll give you some of my tokens. And what was the Palm Beach Confidential one? Uh, five coins that, to five billion or something yes yes that guy was shit. i've heard a couple he had like of people, five five projects yeah a bunch of people coming to me about that one um, these scammers are creative man you gotta you gotta do your own research if it's, it seems too good to be true it probably is yes everyone's a scammer he, you're lucky to have michael goldstein's <laughs> timeless piece that was written in 2014 i believe in uh, really cuts to the core just hold on to your sats as hard as you possibly can and for I as love long how as you that, possibly can i love how i say like if it sounds too good to be true it probably is with a straight face and then i say bitcoin's designed to pump forever and you could dollar cost average into generational wealth <laughs> i mean look one is true i just you just gotta do your own research you gotta gotta figure don't, it out man don't trust us don't trust <laughs> us um our boy nick carter making it big getting a piece in new york mag this is pretty good pretty good primer for the normies out there and a very uh normie friendly p 
piece, New York Mag. Um, yeah, this felt like, like the Bloomberg mining piece to me. Like this is this is productive. This is a massive step forward. Yeah, Nick out there shilling Bitcoin to all the basic bitches, and uh, it was like a really basic article. It was like, why is Bitcoin pumping, and but not a bubble? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like, yeah. You know what, Nick? Nick, if you're gonna go out and and evangelize Bitcoin to the basic, basic bitch crew, I'm all for it. We need we need more basic bitches. Next, we need you live interview on the skim. That's that's where most of the basic <laughs> bitches hang out from from nine a.m. to ten. I know 30. one of the editors of the skim. Oh, do you? Yeah. Then maybe we should get on the skim. I'm trying maybe to get that Bitcoin shill in there. We should be attacking the basic bitch shill. This is really encouraging to see especially since we've been shilling this product so aggressively over the years um molvad vpn had a third-party infrastructure audit correct yeah i mean so we were talking about earlier like cia honeypots um the problem with the vpn is that there's no way there's no way to be provable and verifiable that they're that they aren't logging our information it's impossible you know this is something that uh free open source software does not solve there's there's no way to verify the lack of data collection or the deletion of data um so the best we can get is these independent infrastructure audits where the third party company in this case i think they're calling themselves cure 53 um is basically putting their reputation on the line. They went through and they went through all their systems and, and, and they say that everything is, is good to go. But uh, really, we're still trusting. Uh, it just reduces the trust a tiny bit. It's good to see. Um, and, and worst case scenario, if Movad is a honeypot, at least we all got got together. And <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all in that. We're all in this together. together. Yeah. No, but, uh, and again, so beyond this, audit the fact that you can buy purchase the the mulved tokens with bitcoin um is encouraging as well because that helps a little bit with privacy um, oh let's talk about that because i got called out because i recommend mulved all the time and they had bitcoin payments uh disabled for 28 hours like a little over a day were they upgrading to back 31 32 or something no i mean Guys, I love you. Don't freak out about every little bullshit, you know? Like they 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 have been rolling their own fucking I'm pretty sure they have their own wallet, right? Yeah, they've been rolling their own Bitcoin payment method forever now, for a long fucking time. So they accept Bitcoin in the most sovereign way possible. They do not use BitPay, they do not use a third party. They control their own keys. They're going to have downtime sometimes, you know? And like we we talk about being uh, low time preference and then like they have like a little bit of downtime and everyone's like they're evil we want explanations bitcoin cash is still accepted you know like yada 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 like no like let them get it back up online there, there's going to be some downtime especially if people are doing it in a self-sovereign way where they're not relying on a third party to provide that that guarantee uptime um as far as them accepting bitcoin cash i've always been against it they've always accepted it at least they're proper shit corners. They control their own Bitcoin cash keys. You know, they, they don't use BitPay or anything. They're self-sovereign Bitcoin cash users. If they're smart, they're auto-dumping it for Bitcoin. 
nothing has shown me that they're not smart. So I'd be surprised if they weren't otherwise. But uh, there's, I think, to me, there's worse things than them than them them accepting uh, other payment methods. They accept like nine or ten different payment methods. They accept cash in the in the mail. You can put cash in an envelope and mail it to Mulvad, and they accept it. They're not endorsing like the fiat hegemony when they, when they fucking do that. They're probably auto dumping it for Bitcoin if they're smart. Yeah, I would imagine they are. Yeah. So they, they got audited. They accept Bitcoin. Don't freak out. Yeah, everybody take a chill pill. Riding the bull wave. Everybody's freaking out. That's they how you know. Shit. You know the people who are still fucking like chirping and getting like really mad at random ass shit. Like they they sold the bottom. They're just <sighs> like fucking. Yeah, like how can you. Yeah, I don't know. Hate to see it. You really hate to see it. We're literally 10x for March. Right, like exactly almost. If you're if 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 you're not a little bit, you know, if you're not in a good mood right now, then you were short Bitcoin. Yeah. Sucks to suck. Sorry about that freak. <laughs> Marty summing it up. Uh last topic on the list, but I'm sure we'll have some stuff to riff on. I know I have at least one topic I want to riff on. Bitcoin Core Usage Survey. Bitcoin Core contributor Andrew Chow, who's been on this podcast before, doing incredible work with the hardware wallet integration um, with Bitcoin Core, making hardware wallets more compatible and creating a standardization for that process as well. Uh, I like this a lot, this initiative by Andrew. Uh, the Bitcoin Core Usage Survey, uh, basically, I'll read the goals section and not anything else. The goal of the survey is to learn why people use Bitcoin Core, how they use it, and what features are used. The results of the survey will be used to inform what features should be focused on and prioritized. By understanding how our users behave and use Bitcoin Core, we will be better able to write software that suits their needs. Additionally, the survey will allow users to provide feedback, such as feature requests, so that we can include things that people want. So I guess a little bit of UX research uh, from a Bitcoin Core contributor and uh, a few others that are participating in this to to un better understand why people run Bitcoin Core, how they use it, and and what they want added in the future. And I guess if we're gonna steel man this, does this uh, allow the onset of noise to to enter the core process? Well, I think when you're talking about free open source software that is privacy and sovereignty focused, uh, we're at a negative because we have no analytics. Um, the freaks might know, you know, I have a project final message. Like I have no analytics whatsoever on final message. I have no idea who's coming to my website. I don't know um, what device they're using. I don't know any of their patterns. Um, Non-privacy focused software has that liberty. They can just track everything you do, track all your behaviors and make decisions based on that. So, so when we're talking from that perspective, I mean, if you're a developer and you're trying to figure out what you should focus on and, and what the user wants, like you need an opt-in method of doing that. And, and the only real way of doing that is a survey. Um, I mean, you can talk to people. I, that is obviously helpful. I think it's, you know, I love that Andrew came on the podcast. Um, I love when, when these developers come on the podcast. I think it helps twofold. I think both it helps them connect to the audience and see what the audience feels and it helps the audience feel what the devs are feeling, right? But but ultimately, you want to have some kind of real quantifiable information and you're only going to get that from a, a large sample size survey. So go and check out this survey, use it. 
you know, do it. Um, I think for the majority of you, you're probably just using core as a node, which still applies. He has like a whole portion there of just using as a node. Um, but core is twofold. It's also a wallet. And actually I've had like a come, like come, come back to Bitcoin moment um, where in the beginning of Bitcoin, like I used Bitcoin core and then like I moved away and went to third party apps um, a lot for my like day-to-day -day wallet usage. Um, and actually because now, because Spectre makes it so easy to interact with a multi-sig, um, I already have a Bitcoin core instance on the same device that I use Spectre on. And so I've actually been using Bitcoin Core's wallet um, as, as my hot wallet of choice when I withdraw um, from Cash App. So I withdraw from Cash App to Bitcoin Core um, with full coin control. And then it's like my staging ground before it goes into Whirlpool. Um, so I've been using the Bitcoin Core hot wallet. And honestly, I think it's fantastic. Like it's come a long fucking way from the last time I used it. Um, I think it gets a lot more shit UX wise. Then I think the biggest UX hurdle is is simply the blockchain downloading. Yeah. Um, but you can run it in pruned if you wanted to. I don't, but you could. And that's ten gigs. It's not horrible. Yeah. No, maybe this improved UX you're experiencing is a product of of the the gargantuan effort that Roy Yanoski and others have put in to separate the node infrastructure from the wallet infrastructure, and separate those two. So. Um, you don't have to think about how they intertwine with each other when you're when you're contributing to Bitcoin Core, and you can focus on one aspect um, in isolation, which is cool. So yeah, I mean, I don't um, think that's affected it much yet, uh, but I, I I think it's underappreciated how useful it can be as a hot wallet, um, and 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 because of Spectre, because of things like Umbral and Raspberry Blitz it becomes really useful as infrastructure for, you know, using other key storage techniques if you don't want to keep your keys directly on Bitcoin Core. But yeah, yeah either way, if you use Bitcoin Core, go go complete the survey for Andrew. Um, and if you do do it, use a VPN or Tor um, so that they don't have your IP address when you complete the survey. Agreed. That was it for the topics. That was a very succinct rip. We, that was like very dense information and again a lot going on this week is this People why we're are... not doing live anymore marty no it's a product of my my shitty mic and computer setup i've got a new setup coming hopefully next month um and we will we will resume the live sessions but i want to make sure that we don't uh decay the the quality of the show that we've been doing for years for the audio only listeners because we want to do a live show it would be a disservice to our our freaks everywhere Seems fair to me. Let's lower our time preference, freaks. Agreed. Um, you got anything to riff on? I know I have one topic we've touched on a little bit, but I'd like to expand on it. Uh, hit us. No, it's just with the transition from Trump to Biden, the administration's coming in. It's becoming, we talked about it already, they have to, to print their way out. And I just thought it was very telling uh, during Janet Yellen at the printer's confirmation hearing on Tuesday that the things she proposed or said were on the table. She didn't propose them. She said the treasury would be considering things like a 50 year, uh, treasury bond. And then I believe she was asked about unrealized capital gains. And I think I should clear this up in the context of people who die. Um, and, and adding this in with the, 
this estate tax that wasn't clear in the Reuters article uh. um, that was going around. Um, but so she she said that's on the table as well. But still, but I would still. So what it realizes when you die. Well, that's the thing. There is no unrealized. That's it would be realized. Yeah, that doesn't tax. make any sense, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, but doesn't it already get realized all, at the time of well, death? Ideally, an individual would have will set up, and they would bequeath their stock portfolio to um, some of their family members or friends or whoever they're. they're well, gets, usually, if it goes the to their, their spouse, then it's then it's tax incentivized. There's there's no tax hit, right? Yes, but if I it goes to anyone else, then it can get hit by the estate tax. Yes. So I think they're saying here people are going to get hit with an unrealized gains tax. Regardless. Yeah. Which is pretty fucked. And to me, this just signals, like the, again, the 50-year treasury bond, too. Like, even uh, appeasing that, it's like, what? The optics of that are terrible. The risk-reward um, ratio for a bond investor over a 50-year time horizon with the the uncertainty that exists in the world today and like to try to yeah. game that out into 20 there's no risk for the issuer i mean the, the, no no none for the issuer but yeah. that's like why would anybody take the other side of that right. trade and then because they will. the optic the optics of it well it'll be the like the fed will take the other side of that like the um the option it's it's bad optics, right? Like you had Argentina print a hundred year bond right. two or three years ago. That it's a that classic. Went, it's a classic desperation move, and the issuer has rose. no risk. There's no risk to the issuer, so they yeah, might. So I think. Yeah. So I think this was posturing from Janet. I don't think she's going to tax unrealized gains. The the logistics and. Uh, well, it would take the stock market. Yeah, that as well. Um, In, unless it was just unrealized Bitcoin gains. Well, she didn't say that. I think it's all gains anywhere. Let's not let's not single out Bitcoin yet, Matt. Um, Please no. But I I think these are just being used as lever or bargaining chips, where it's like, hey, let us pursue these other fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus routes, or we'll 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 do the fifty year bond uh, or the the unrealized gains tax um, to sort of not justify but force. Uh, others to to go along with other spending plans they have. Yeah, I mean, it probably also. I mean, it, it makes it more tenable to just increase capital gains tax or increase income tax uh, rather than unrealized. Right? It's like, oh well, we could have done the unrealized. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think it's you know I didn't realize that there was this discrepancy with a, you know at death, a time of death. As far as time of death goes, I mean, I'm against it. It's a double taxation. Um, but it's the same idea as sin taxes, right? It's, it's a relative, it's an easier tax to push forward because the person's dead or the person's buying alcohol or the person's buying cigarettes or the person's buying drugs or the person's buying Bitcoin. You know, it's, it's a, it's something that's a negative connotation. So people are, are happy with taxing it, um, with death, people are dead. Uh, so it's easier to get by. Um, but in terms of like really kind of like sweeping, uh, capital gains uh, increases, uh, whether that's unrealized or realized, you're going to have some issues where you could tank the stock market and the real estate right. market. And if you, no one wants to be that person who does that. And that's why we have this incentive where like all the people in power try, just try and pump the Ponzi until they get out. It's like, you right. just got to pump the Ponzi until you leave. And then meanwhile, we have Bitcoin working on the sideline there 
which makes me not furious about them trying to pump the Ponzi, right? Exactly. It's like, just because I have this exit ramp, I don't have to be angry. I can just opt out. Accelerate it. You think Janet Yellen was going, just when I think I got away, they pulled me back in. She goes from one side of this debacle to the other, from Fed chairwoman to Secretary of the Treasury. I like to loop. think... I like to think that she has a great sense of humor and uh, she's been playing 5D chess. And as soon as our boy BSG put his uh, Bitcoin sign behind her, she just went whole hog into Bitcoin. She's just like, she's just been stacking sats ever since. I'm going to take the other the other side that she has <laughs> had a personal, personal vendetta against her friend BSG for years now. And she's that's why she's getting dragged back in. She's like, I'm going to get that fucker. I'm going to get that fucker. He embarrassed no me Bitcoin. in front of the world. I mean, the we were talking about this the other day. The Bitcoin sign guy meme, especially with the the Bloomberg specifically ticker Yellen, uh, the Fed is uh, unopposed, or the Fed is opposed to an audit of the Fed, um, opposed to an audit with the buy Bitcoin. The juxtaposition of that that is going to be in textbooks if we win the, the battle, and and the history that that we know um, gets etched into eternity. But yeah, I think Janet may have a vendetta particularly for a blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed friend who, who embarrassed her in front of the world. Uh, what was that three or four years ago now at this point? Yeah. No, I mean, there's no way I think it was 2016, right? It's 2017. Cause the pod, it was, yes. 2017. Cause the podcast we recorded, right, we were at like 3,500 or something like 2,500. It was like the, we were pumping. We were like right now. It was like yeah. the same time in the cycle as right now. Um, and we had a new Fed chair, and it was Yellen, and and he got behind her and, and did that. Yeah, there's no way she owns Bitcoin. Um, I just want to say, like, I mean, I kind of briefly said it earlier in this episode, and I've definitely said it in past episodes, because as an American, I find it amazing how few people realize is this concept that, like, winners do write history. And once we win, like, I'm the history books around this time period are going to be kind of poor. I, I, I do not have faith in Bitcoiners in Bitcoiners providing like a proper objective, proper objective writing well, of history. I think it's going to be a little bit orange tinted to be well, honest. Well, that's why I love the bent right in the bent every day. Cause it's just like raw thoughts and what went on. Yeah. You sort of have like a time capsule, at least to my thinking, not to yeah. my thinking is something to be followed or exemplified, but and just get, one freaks random musings on on this particular unfolding in in history same with rhr i mean like a freak can go back and listen to they can listen to us every week just like drunkenly like talk about the week <laughs> you know and like there's no rewriting that like that's out there like I, we know at least wiz is keeping an archive like i imagine there's other freaks out there that are keeping yeah. archives of it yeah brian bishop literally transcribing uh conversations at conferences and stuff like that <laughs> so um Yes, yeah, it's been a fun rap. I'm trying to think of what else is on my mind. Can't think of anything. This transition period. It'll be interesting to see how the next week progresses with all. It seems because it seems like it came in like they were posturing like we're not going to ban fracking, we're not going to ban fracking. First day, Keystone Pipeline axed. It'll be interesting to see how quickly this administration moves to to address the issues um, with their proposed solutions. Yeah, I mean, I just don't even really care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should be. Uh, 
I like to think that like I I just I don't I I I think for the average Bitcoiner, not much has changed. Uh, a one positive is, it appears that they killed Mnuchin's proposal in the water. Oh yes, we didn't talk about um, that. Which is great. That's fantastic. He successfully did not get it in in time. Um, this is that uh, enhanced KYC rule that he tried to pass with minimal um, comment period. Um, this is just a this is just a short t- term thing. Like there'll be worse laws, there'll be worse regulations. They are coming, uh, but it's just nice that we got like a little bit of a breather, a little bit of reprieve here. Make sure you're getting your sats off your exchanges. Make sure you're aware of the the withdrawal limits on Cash App. I have heard rumblings are trying to increase that, but be aware, freaks. This oh. is a what a <laughs> the Bitcoin price has d- dumped. So like your withdrawal limits on Cash App have gone up in Sats terms. Yes, it's get a it great done. Time to, yes, when the dumps get Sats off the exchange, um, be aware. This is a a a technology that demands extreme ownership. It is a digital bearer asset that you can control. You can take agency over your own financial future, if you so please. It is a process. Make sure you learn. There are levels to this shit. Start on the Cash App. Download a blue wallet. Move a little bit of your funds to the blue wallet. Get comfortable sending transactions between addresses. Uh, Make sure you get comfortable writing down your seed phrase and securing that seed phrase properly, most importantly. Then once you get a, a... a threshold i would say above two thousand dollars you, you get a hardware wallet whether it be a cold card um trezor jade uh foundation devices out there i know some people they have, we haven't go tried those yet card. go buy a cold card um and have you got your hands practice. on a jade yet i'm not not yet have you no but i i, I would not just use the jade i, I if i it could be useful as a signer in a multi-sig, but I wouldn't yes. use it as a single sig. Uh, uh. Uncle Marty just gave bad advice. Use the the hardware devices that have been tested and and used by P- use cold card. Okay, that's what it's the safest <laughs> thing that way. It's a little bit harder. Okay, let's be honest, Rodolfo. I know you're listening. It's just hard to recommend cold card to new untechnical newbies because. But but the, the hard way. parts are because it's better. I know, I know. Right? I That's know. what people don't realize. Like, it's harder because you don't have, like, a first-party application that you have to trust to, to like, be honest with you. You yeah. know? Like, if, if you're talking about actually being a self-sovereign user, like, it could be easier in a lot of ways. Agreed. Agreed. I guess the, the underlying message here is do your research. Do your own <laughs> research. Practice makes perfect. Don't listen to us, especially me. Yeah. I, love you you your, I, I couldn't see, I could only see Matt's head floating this whole episode. He's wearing camouflage. Well, it's, you know, because it's not a live video. So I was able to uh, just relax and sit back with my margarita and just have a good time. It's a sweet sweatshirt, dude. Yeah, I'm not actually having a margarita. I'm just drinking straight Mezcal. Uh, you like this? It's good. It was a Christmas present. I do. I like it. It's like it's camo. Uh, like poor Keep It Simple camo, Bitcoin. Though. Keep it simple. Bitcoin was talking shit because I wore the same sweatshirt for every live stream and you can't even see this one. So, ha. Yeah. You can't keep it simple. Bitcoin. You know what? <laughs> Reducing your, your, uh, wardrobe to a couple pieces is highly recommended. Simplify your life at every, every point that you can. Simplifying your wardrobe is one of my places where I do it. I have two pairs of pants. Um, Matt, 
Marty. That was a hell of a rip, dude. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, I miss you, bro. I love all the freaks. Um, guys, guys, don't freak out about every dump. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's going to be many dumps. Bitcoin's eating the world. It's a very scarce asset going through a very volatile adoption phase. You're embarrassing yourself when you freak out. You look like a pussy. Calm down. Take a deep exactly. breath. I, you're going to send me a text every fucking time this happens. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Just stay humble and stack sats. Yes. Like if we were telling you to stack sats on March 15th of last year, what do you think is going to change? Do you think anything has changed? No. Enjoy it, freaks. Enjoy your life. Engage. Peace and love.